When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Welcome back to the MLB Daily Podcast, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content, the only daily baseball podcast that we know of. Uh, alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam here. I am LJ LaFira, as I've forgotten to leave that in there. Uh, Brandon, how you doing, buddy? LJ, doing good. Uh, I was not on the episode yesterday, but you and Taylor did a fantastic job Uh I was able to to listen to that this morning. So, uh, yeah, uh, I made my return. Uh, also, LJ, uh, for the for the episode for the ti- the 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 title of the episode yesterday, I'm not sure if you saw what I ended up going with, but I did not. I ended up putting like no it. no Brandon, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was awesome to have have a Taylor on, and we're sh- uh, for for sure gonna have him on in the future, especially because him and LJ are essentially, you know, very very close to each other. Yeah, absolutely. It was great talking to him about baseball. We talk about it a lot, anyways. So to be able to go across the league was a lot of fun. And I'll tell you, for me right now, nothing against you, Brandon. Today is a big letdown compared to the energy difference between yesterday's show and today's show. I mean, yesterday's show is probably my second favorite daily show we've done second only to the day before. So if only we were together, that would be a scary combination. Yeah. Well, it's going to, in about three weeks, uh, when I'm home from school and you're home from school, uh, we're going to start doing them in person. So that should be a lot of fun. But LJ, we have a full slate of games today. Once again, all 30 teams were in action and we get an early night as the last game was Sunday night baseball at seven o'clock. LJ, would you like to get us started? Yeah, absolutely. We've got first up one of the crazier games of the day, Cubs and Reds. And this, Brandon, was our laser show of the day. 
The first two innings were pretty boring compared to the rest, but the score is tied 2-2 after it. Then, starting in the third, Chris Bryant, pew! Anthony Rizzo, pew! Over to the Reds, Castellanos, pew! Moustakis, pew! Suarez, pew! Later in that game, Chris Bryant again, pew! Tucker Barnhart, pew! Nick Castellanos again, pew! Javi Baez, pew! Ian Happ, pew! You can read into what all of those guys did with that noise. The Reds win a 13-12 game, which had 10 home runs, with a walk-off single for Nick Castellanos in the 10th inning. Give the win to Ryan Hendricks, the loss to Craig Kimbrell. The Reds play the White Sox, and the Cubs play the Dodgers on Tuesday. Yeah, uh, LJ, you know, we talk about these these games all the time. You have to, you know, 30 total hits between the two teams. Someone has to lose, but if you're the Cubs, scoring 12 runs and not being able to get a win is just not the way that you want to end your week. Well, on the flip side of that, allowing 13 runs should not be expected to be to be a winning formula either. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like you should not score 12 and think that there's any, any reason that you should be losing, but uh, yeah, pitching was not the strong suit here. Surprised to see Craig, Craig Kimbrell allow that hit in extra innings uh, that scores the run though, the walk-off now, of course it's an unearned run, but uh, Castellanos, what a day. I'm going to be talking about him on the PPP, but uh, yeah, really impressive. The Reds, the big red contraption offense looks to be, Back to what we saw the, that those first few weeks. Let's hope. I mean, there's so much fun to watch. So many fun guys that, uh, yeah. Under yeah, the- this this team oh. is going to go as far as their pitching will take them. This offense is going to be a crazy power threat throughout the year. However, with those power threat teams comes the cold streaks. It's inherent with guys that are also almost all swinging for the fences that are almost all power oriented, not contact. You're going to get less consistent offense across the board. So if you don't have pitchers who can keep the, keep the score low in those game on those days that you don't necessarily have your best stuff out there, then you're going to really struggle. On to the Tigers and the Yankees. The Yankees scored the only two runs of the game in the second inning. Higgy, 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 can't you see? Sometimes the way you hypnotize me. Kyle Higashioka hits an RBI double, and then Brett the Jack Gardner with a sack fly. Both of the pitching staffs held each other in check all day. The teams only combining for five hits. LJ, total game time of two hours and 14 minutes. Rob Manfred's dream. The Yankees win 2-0. The win from Corey Kluber, 2-2 two and two now on the year, looked dominant. Eight innings, two hits, 10 Ks. The first game for him with 10 Ks since 2018. The loss to Jose Arrena. Oh, also that was Corey Kluber's 100th career win. The loss to Jose Arrena, 1-4 on the year now. Seven innings, three hits. Uh, seven Ks. Araldis Chapman gets the save. Uh, two Ks in that inning. He's now pitched 10 innings and struck out 24 batters and still has a zero ERA. The Yankees sweep the Tigers, have won seven of their last 10, and are back to 500 at 14 and 14. 
The Tigers now sit at eight and 21, by far the worst record in the league. They've won one of their last 10. Both teams have off days prior to starting series on Tuesday. And I thought my call, home run, my, my calls were cringy. Over to the Mets and Philly. Oh, okay. Oh, in the okay. seventh inning, the Mets opened what was a 42 deficit into an eight to four lead, thanks in part to a home run by Kevin Pillar. I guess you could use the excuse that he wasn't ready, but Edwin Diaz allows three earned runs and could have potentially been four earned runs in the ninth, but the Mets hold on to win eight to seven. Of course, the big crazy call at the end of this game, you've got a home run or seeming home run ball that goes all the way up, hits the railing and is ruled a double rather than a home run, which could have tied this game, Brandon. Give the win to Jacob Barnes, the loss to Brandon Kinsler, and the save to Jesus Familia, who came in after Edwin Diaz was unable to get out the get out of the inning. Yeah, what a game. I mean, LJ, it feels like every single Sunday night we 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 say this, but another Sunday night baseball game that comes through in the entertainment value. I mean, the Mets put up six runs in that eighth inning. And the the Phillies, they they come back. I mean, Edwin Diaz certainly didn't look good. I mean, he walks Matt Joyce right before um, the uh, home run. There was already two outs, so that's a pinch hitter there. If you uh, get him out, the game is over. And then Hoskins, I still don't know if this is a home run or not. I mean, the the angle that they show on the replay you don't really have a good depth perception, but the ball does hit the railing right above um, or right under the home run line. Now, LJ, here was my question. So there was runners on first and third, right? When that mm-hmm. happened, how could they say that two runs scored when it was only a double? I, I don't get um, because you, if you think about it, where the, the, the runner was, it was a pretty hit a quickly hit ball. Like, at the most, they're rounding second, maybe a few steps ahead of that. Well, if they are rounding second, I think you give it there. I mean, you know, it's it's a very weird situation with those, especially when it seems to be a lot of judgment as to where that ball is getting into play. So, I mean, I'm not going to fuss over small stuff like that. The score ended in very similar fashion. We're talking an eight to six or eight to seven game. Shall we move on to the Braves and the Blue Jays? Absolutely. Uh, After exchanging RBI singles in the second, the Blue Jays will get RBI doubles from Marcus Simeon and Bo Bichette. Simeon would go deep later on in the game, and Toronto runs away with this one, seven to two. The win to Ryan Borucki, who's now three and one on the year, one and two thirds, three Ks out of the bullpen for him. The loss to our guy Ian Anderson falls to two and one on the year, four innings, six hits, four runs, five Ks. Rafael Dolis gets his third save of the year for Toronto. They travel to Oakland today. It will be Stephen Matz taking on Frankie Montas. The Braves have now lost four in a row, and they will have an off day today. All right. It was a good day for pitching in this matchup between the Cardinals and the Pirates. 
The lone scoring play of the game came off of Harrison Bader's first home run of the season, a three-run shot, your final 3-0 St. Louis. Give the win to Carlos Martinez, who went eight innings of shutout ball for his second win since 2017, right? Or 2018? Whatever that stretch was. Yeah, because he, he started off like 0-4 this year, right? Or something. Started like off 0-4 this year. I don't think he played last year. Yeah, there was like an injury year in 2019 or something like that. And he's also just been like not good. Yeah, no bueno. No. Um, the loss will be given to Will Crow. He went five innings, allowing three earned runs on that one home run. And the save will be given to Alex Reyes. Uh, Adam Rayner... I do not say blah, blah, blah. Adam Wainwright will face the Mets while Pittsburgh and Tyler Anderson will face San Diego and Miguel Diaz. Alex Ray is kind of a, a, a closer who just kind of came out of nowhere this hmm. year. I mean, he had one career, or excuse me, two career saves prior to entering this year. And the Cardinals really trust this guy. I mean, they have a lot of arms in that in that bullpen. Guys like Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera, but they uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jordan Hicks. But they really trust Alex Reyes, and he's done a very fine job in the closer role this year for them. You certainly cannot argue with what he's done. On to the Astros and the Rays. Houston would be up 3-0 after the fifth, thanks to a home run from Jordan Alvarez, a sack fly from Jose Altuve, and a Michael Brantley single. In the bottom of the fifth, the Rays would tie it up on an Austin Meadows three-run home run. Manny Margot would come through in the seventh with the go-ahead hit for the Rays, and they would hold on to win 5-4. The win goes to Jeffrey Springs, uh, who's now 2-0 on the year. The loss goes to Brooks Raley out of the Houston bullpen. And for the Rays, Diego Castillo picks up his seventh save of the year. Tampa travels to L.A. to take on the Angels today, and this should be a good one. Tyler Glass now versus Shohei Otani. The Astros had the day off prior to traveling to New York to take on the Yankees. That will be the Astros' first time in New York since uh, – all the cheating allegations came out. Honestly, the first time that these two teams have played since all that came out. And at least the talk on uh, Yankee social media right now is that the the booze will be in full effect. All about 11,000 fans in a Yankee stadium will be in unison. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think the vast majority of America is over this. and if it, But if anywhere it's going to hang on, for dear life, it's going to be in New York. But what did you think about that Shohei Otani stat from yesterday? Oh, yeah, the two two for 55 on his splitter. No, that was last season. He's 0 for 20 or 0 for 19 this year with 18 strikeouts. <laughs> oh, my God. That is filthy. I mean, we're seeing all these guys now. It's not even like a fastball primary pitch anymore. Some of these guys, like their best pitch is, is, is their breaking stuff, which like you go back 20 years, it was never like that. Your, your breaking pitches were like your, your secondary pitches, but we see so many guys with a primary breaking pitch now. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you think about it, it does make sense because you can get a better variety of pitcher when you take that as the focus. I mean, only so many guys are going to be capable of throwing 100. However, with the right mechanics, with the right amount of work, 
you can put together a very nice pitch compared to your peers. You can really work that splitter to where you want it to be. Heck, even I think it isn't crazy to say that a well-placed off-speed pitch could be considered someone's best pitch if they know if they really like are kind of like that crafty veteran type thing where they know how, just how to time it, they know just where they like it, and it hammers away. So it be, it's becoming less of a power thing to figure out what your best pitch is, what you're going to dominate with in that regard. And then it's becoming more of what can you do with that ball? Yeah, uh, absolutely. All right. Where are we? Um, next up, we've got the Dodgers and the Brewers. The Dodgers had this one right from the first inning. They doubled Milwaukee's hits with 18 and quadrupled their runs in this 16 to four final. Matt Beattie went four for six, allowing or not allowing, um, driving in seven runs. The win will be given to Julio Urias, who went seven innings, allowing one earned run and 10 strikeouts. The loss to Alec Bettinger, who went four innings, allowing 11 earned runs. Yeah, Alec Bettinger makes his MLB debut in this one. In, in the first two innings, allows two grand slams. Uh, you know, hopefully this guy turns out to be a star, and then this can just sort of be like the, the fun fact about him. Uh, yeah, in his first start, the Dodgers put up 11 earned on him. But uh, Well, I mean, to be fair, what is Milwaukee doing? I mean, unless you have a – unless there's something I'm completely not seeing here – what is Milwaukee doing sending him out there against the Dodgers as his first start? This is hard, hardly a warm-up game. Uh, so, well, uh, Corbin Burns being on the IL, like, mm-hmm. opened up opens up a spot. But still, I agree. I mean, there wasn't – you, like, couldn't go with a bullpen game today. Like, this was your your best Yeah, option. like, you, you, could, you could add him to the back end of the rotation to kind of, like, stem the tide of all of what's – all of the extra use that guys have gotten, but you didn't need to just throw him right in at the Dodgers. There's a way to selectively use him within this next rotation that they just did not do. On to the Indians and the White Sox. Cleveland would open up the scoring on a Cesar Hernandez home run in the third. With a 2-0 lead in the seventh, they would add on with a Jose Ramirez uh, hitting his eighth home run of the year and then an Ahmed Rosario single. The Indians win handily 5-0. The win to Zach Plezak, now 2-3 and three on the year. He goes 5-2, and two thirds, 3 hits, 6 Ks. The loss to Lucas Giolito, who takes uh, one of the tough losses of the day, now 1-3 and three on the year. He goes 5-3, five 5 hits, 1 earned run, and 8 Ks. Cleveland travels to Kansas City today to take on the Royals. Aaron Savalli will take on Daniel Lynch, the Royals' number two prospect and the number 24 overall prospect in baseball, according to MLB Pipeline. And he will make his highly anticipated debut. He is a left-handed starter. LJ, it would be very nice if they could get a, if the, the Royals could get another nice uh, arm in their starting rotation because we see how important it is to have more than five guys who, who are capable of making a start. Why couldn't Milwaukee have done that? Cleveland yeah. is a much more favorable matchup than the Dodgers. Anyone's a more favorable matchup than the Dodgers, but I, I really hope to see this guy have success, at least in the first game, get that happy memory, even if you do end up being a bust. Next up, we got the Red Sox and the Rangers. 
The Red Sox were up 3-1 by the seventh, thanks to a home run by Xander Bogarts and RBIs from Hunter Renfro and Kike Hernandez. From here, an Isaiah kiner falefa home run and RBIs by David Dahl and MLB Daily Hall of Fame nominee Brock Holt that won the game for Texas 5-3. Give the win to Josh Spores. His now back-to-back wins for the Rangers in back-to-back appearances. Mike Fultonevich went six innings, allowing two earned runs and striking out five batters. Give the loss to the Red Sox, Adam Adovino. Garrett Richards went five innings, allowing one earned run and seven Ks for the team. The Rangers start a series against Kenta Maeda and his twins with Dane Dunning on the mound. LJ, real quick, uh, I know that you haven't been a big fan of a couple of guys in the Red Sox bullpen. Is Adam Adovino close to LJ's timeout corner? Um, actually, there was somebody else on Adams. Oh, yeah. Um, Edwin Diaz, go in the corner and think about what you've done. No, you know, Adovino, well, here's the thing, actually. Now that I think about it, has he done anything to warrant coming out of the corner yet? He's still oh, in the corner from the Seattle there. game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Forgot about that one. No, I mean, I will bring bring guys out. We can't have the entire bullpen sitting in one spot. That, now, would, that would not be very COVID safe. Now, I have a question. So I understand why you go to Ottavino there in the eighth. Well, was it tied when Ottavino came in? Um, I believe so, if I remember correctly. Yes. All right. So, like, we're going to talk about this on an episode at some point during the year, but we're starting to see some some uh, people who, who have managed teams sort of not have a closer role and they would bring in Matt Barnes in that situation, a tie game in the eighth inning. But obviously Ottavino has been your setup guy, but that's technically it was a save situation for him today. Already his third blown save of the year. LJ is getting the full Adam Ottavino experience because he'll have a string of good outings in a row. He'll have a, a two week stretch where he doesn't allow an earned run. And then there's just a couple games here and there where he just gets lit up. Well, you know what? We'll take it. Honestly, it's not It's not that it's the end of the – I'm not saying I don't care whether he does it or not. What I'm trying to say is it is what it is to me. Like, I mean, he is better than what we could pull out of Worcester. First off, I should say the stuff in Worcester has gotten a lot better over the past couple of years. This is a much deeper pitching staff this year than it was last year. There's a lot of guys that I would not – mind seeing come up that are there right now so I certainly am not afraid of what's there however Adam Adovino certainly has a lot more upside than most guys there but you know you're just not going to have it all every single game I mean I think the, the one spot that should be mentioned here Garrett Whitlock finally after I believe it was 12 appearances has his first earned run of the season it was a home run. Yeah, it was a home run. His first earned run, he's now sitting at a .63. So, I mean, they've got guys that have really good stuff in there, but sometimes it's just not going to click. I mean, you've got – I think realistically you have four four relievers here that I really, really trust and really, really like in Barnes, Adovino, Sawamura, and Whitlock. So I'm not going to complain with a game that goes south in the bullpen every now and then. 
Real quick, I, I don't I'm not sure how how much of this game you watched, but this says that a Joey Gallo and Rangers manager Chris Chris Woodward were ejected. Uh, um, you know, I did miss that. I missed a good portion of it. I had some uh, family things to get to today. God, well, I'm sure that uh, John Boy will be doing a breakdown that I'll have to watch uh, on that one. Speaking of other content, we've got some other content to reference later on in the show that we are very excited about. Is that right? Isn't that right, Brandon? Absolutely. All right. I believe I am also the next game. I just remembered that, and that's why we keep bouncing around on this Red Sox Rangers game. Um, Marlins Nationals. In the third inning, Ryan Zimmerman sent a ball, zip, zap, zop over the wall to the tune of three runs. Ison Diaz went yard in the ninth, but the Nats hold on to win three to one. Give that win to Max Scherzer. He went nine innings of one run ball and nine strikeouts. The loss will be given to Trevor Rogers, who went five innings, allowing three earned runs and six strikeouts. Certainly not a bad day for him. The Marlins and Nationals both have days off before playing Arizona and Atlanta, respectively. Max Scherzer, complete game, one earned run, then had to rush to the hospital as his wife was in labor today. So uh, quite the day for him. Big, big day. All the adrenaline. Angels and Mariners. The Mariners got runs in the fourth and fifth on a Dylan Moore single and a Mitch Hanniger sack fly. That would be the only offense of the day uh, between both teams. The, the pitching was, was good. Not a lot of strikeouts, but lots of weak contact. The Mariners win 2-0. Give the win to Justice Sheffield. 2-2 two and two on the year now. Six innings, two hits, no earned, four Ks. The loss goes to Dylan Bundy, now 0-3 on the year. I'm not sure that that experiment is working very much this year. Uh, six innings, five hits, two runs, six Ks. Honestly, not a terrible start. Give the save to Rafael Montero, his fourth of the year. Seattle hosts the Orioles today. It will be Dean Kremer versus TBD. I've heard a lot of good things about him. I've seen him pop up on a few teams. Absolutely nasty. Him him, and uh, player to be named later have really been around the league, affecting a lot of different teams over the years. Giants and Padres. The first inning, Fernando Tatis hit a home run, but that's all San Diego could get. San Francisco wins this one 7-1 to after a game where Mike Talkman drove in four runs on a walk and RBI. Give the win to Kevin Gosman, who went six innings, allowing one earned run and six strikeouts. The loss to Joe Musgrove, who went five innings, allowing five earned runs and six strikeouts. On to the Orioles and the A's. After exchanging a few runs in the first two innings, Austin Hayes tied up the game with a home run to make it 2-2. Two to two. Matt Olson would respond to give Oakland the lead 4-2 to two on his seventh home run of the year. He did it with a black eye that he sustained during batting practice today, but that wasn't stopping him. Baltimore would once again tie it up and then take the lead on two Trey Mancini RBI singles. Jed Lowry would hit an RBI single in the seventh to tie it up for Oakland at five. And then Ramon Laureano would hit a two-run home run to take the lead. Your final would be seven to five. Oakland holds on to win. Uh, give the win to Yusmiro Petit, now 4-0 and on the year out of the bullpen. The loss to Travis Lakin Sr. of 
The Orioles now one and two. Lou Trevino picks up his fifth save of the year. Oakland hosts Toronto and Baltimore travels to Seattle today. All right, we've got the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. Despite going up 2-1 early on a Trevor Story home run, the Rockies found themselves trailing 4-2 going into the eighth. They were then outscored 4-2 in this frame and fell to the Diamondbacks 8-4. Give the win to Chris Davinsky, the loss to Daniel Bard. Today, the Rockies and Herman Marquez will take on Aaron Sanchez and the Giants. Brandon, am I going crazy or... Did I call do this exact same call back earlier in the season? <laughs> the just this, this almost the exact same way I did it. It's just giving me a little bit of deja vu right now. Yeah, I'm not sure why. It seems like all those Rockies D backs games just kind of end the same way. I don't know. It's just like those, it's like, oh, those two teams are playing. No, yeah, it was sometime around when I went to that first game. Is it just me or do the the Rockies always play a team in the NL West? Like I I swear every time I look at them, it's like they're playing another inter division game. Do you want to see them anywhere <laughs> close to the East? I mean, why would why would they why would they waste the money on sending that team to the East Coast? <laughs> on to the Royals and the Twins, the last game. The Twins would score seven runs in the third on home runs from Angelton Simmons and Mitch Garver. That was Simmons' first home run since September 28, 2019. The Royals would pull within three runs from a Hunter Dozier home run and a Whit Merrifield double to make the score 7-4 with the Twins still out in front. The Twins would pile on six more runs thanks to a triple from Luis Arias, doubles from Josh Donaldson and Byron Buxton, then a home run from Alex Kirilov, who has hit his first four career home runs in his last three games. Uh, yeah, three straight games with a home run for him. The Twins win 13-4. to Jose Barrios picks up the win. Three, now 3-0 three on the year. Six innings, six hits, four runs, nine Ks. The loss to Brad Keller, now 2-3 and three on the year. Four and a third, six hits. Seven runs, but only two of those are earned. Kansas City hosts Cleveland. The Twins host the Rangers today. All right. It is time for the PPP. Particular players people should care about. First one we've got here is, shockingly, the first time I think he's been on this list this year, Max Scherzer. Nine innings, one earned run, nine strikeouts. Yeah, I mean... Pretty surprising to see that it's taken him this long. And he certainly hasn't been off to a bad start whatsoever, but we hadn't really seen a vintage Max Max Scherzer until today. Uh, really good start from him. All right. My next one uh, is, is a Joey Votto. Uh, not particularly what he did in the game today, but a few days ago, uh, we completely missed. He hit his 300th career home run. Uh, really good for him. I'm sure that's a milestone that he saw that was uh, capable three years ago or three or so years ago. And uh, yeah, awesome to see a guy like him eclipse a big number like that. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, we got Matt Beattie and AJ Pollock, who combined for 15 of Los Angeles's 16 runs today on their RBIs. Really fantastic, just hot, hot hitting in a good spot of the lineup where a lot of guys are going to be on. That's really more of good lineup construction than anything. I believe they're only the sixth pair of teammates since 1920. To, to each have six plus RBIs in, wow. a, in the same game. Really impressive, especially 15 out of 16 is, is nuts. Mm. Uh, I have two to end it. Nick Castellanos, uh, five for six today, uh, two home runs and the walk off. Uh, now his average on the year is 330. Uh, OPS is over 1,000, uh, really playing. But, uh, well, uh, my last one, Mike Trout, uh, after the games yesterday, he officially passed Ken Griffey Jr. on the all-time war leaderboard. Uh, he's now ranked, in terms of war, the 41st best player ever. Uh, crazy to think that what Trout has done in 11 years is comparable to what uh, Griffey did in 22 years Hmm. absolutely yeah it's insane you know we're going to still be talking about him i hope and pray for many many years to come the worst thing that could happen to baseball right now would be an early mike trout retirement i think i don't know if i can speak for brandon but i certainly want to see him break the war record i think that would be absolutely fantastic to see that in my lifetime be able to say i've seen it tell my grandkids when they're starting up a um, hot shot baseball podcast that I got to watch Mike Trout play and Mike Trout be one of the best of the games I've ever seen. All right. On to the leaderboards. A uh, little bit shorter today. As for batter war, Byron Buxton still in first with 2.3. Mike Trout behind him at 2.1. Ronald Acuna in third with 1.9. Pitcher war, Garrett Cole, 2.4 in the lead. Behind him is Jacob deGrom and Corbin Burns with 2.1 and 1.8, respectively. As for the relief pitchers, James Karinchak, Aroldis Chapman, Matt Barnes all tied with 0.8. Home runs, we now have a a four-way tie with nine. Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, Chris Bryant now on this list. Kind of a surprise, uh, 
He went yard twice today, though. He was one of those guys I was talking about a few days ago. There was just a big group of guys so close. And, uh, yeah, he's starting to emerge there. Uh, Acuna, Chris Bryant, Nick Castellanos, and J.D. Martinez. Sorry, Reese Hoskins. If your home run would have counted tonight, uh, you would have been tied for the league lead, but you missed by about a half of an inch. So really tough. And then, LJ, you have two new stats sort of that you want to uh, break down. I wouldn't even call them sort of. I would say, yes, they're very new. But first, I do have to say, you talk about Mike Trout staying in the league, being good for the league. Another thing that would be good for the league is a diversification of skill set in Chris Bryant. I mean, this is a guy who kind of led the launch angle uh, boom and generation that we're in right now. But that, of course, has its flaws. If he's able to prove that you can be flexible and get around the flaws that have been clearly pointed to in his production and have been the reason he's not a perennial MVP candidate like he was a couple of years ago, then he's going to be so much more successful than he already is. And we could can potentially see more guys trying to train like him and get more diversity in the offense. But yeah, so I've got two here. Of course, you know, most of you probably didn't think that we could find more stats, but guess what? Uh, trust we us. Found trust them. us. We will find anything. When stats people run out of stats, we make new stats. So this brand new created stat comes from the creator of Foolish Baseball on YouTube. Definitely go check him out. Actually, this video is on his second channel, Foolish Bailey. And I think this is an absolutely fantastic stat he's put together. It's called good, good piece of pitching and good piece of hitting. Basically, what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to really measure your success at the plate based on the most likely like approach to finishing with an outcome. So the best things that you can do for your chances of significantly contributing to a lineup are as a hitter would be to either walk. So you're definitively on base no matter what, or it would be to hit the ball really hard. In this case, over 90 miles an hour off the bat. And so what this stat does is it combines the amount of walks you have with the amount of hits that come off the bat at 95, 90 plus. And so with that, you can find how many times they do that during the season in what percentage they have it. And you can see some trends and you can really see, I think a lot better than many stats that we use for that better than the expected stats, which weight things kind of weird at times you can see, okay, this guy's approach to the plate is what you want to see. He's going to be fine. He's going to even out, or maybe he's very underrated at this point in time. As for the pitchers, it's very similar in the fact of you're looking for the best outcomes that could happen through. And so, of course, the the best things can happen through two outcomes here of strikeout and contact that is less than 80 miles an hour. So they do the same thing in combining those two stats together to put together a similar totals and percentages. Of course, the only flaw in this is really comes on the hitter side where, yes, it shows you the top level, like the top, top guys. However, the bottom does not show the worst guys. There's a lot of guys who can be very solid contributors, high war guys, 
high RBI, they do the things that they needed to win and are certainly valuable members of rosters. However, they don't fit this criteria. That's just not the way they play. That's not a bad thing. However, this is going to be a very, this type of ball is a very successful way of doing it. So here we have put together the final end of our leaderboard for today. Hopefully we'll start to make this a daily or semi-daily thing. Uh, good piece of hitting percentage leaders for this year. Coming in first, we've got Juan Soto at 59%, then Ronald Acuna at 56.8%, and then Evan Longoria at 53.8%. So then as a reminder, that means in 59% of Juan Soto's at-bats this year, the ball is either going 90 miles an hour or more off the bat, or he's walking into first base. That's that. That's a crazy. That's a crazy stretch to be able to put together, don't you think, Brandon? Oh, yeah. I mean, and if there was going to be a guy who would be that high, it's Soto. But can we talk about Evan Longoria? I mean, hmm. certainly when me and you have been talking about the the giant success this year, it's been uh, focused on their pitching, but they're getting great contributions from Evan Longoria and, and Buster Posey guys who we kind of thought were at the tail end of their, their careers, but they're putting up awesome hitting stats Uh, Evan Longoria's at a 164 OPS plus Buster Posey's at a 210 OPS plus. So yeah, but uh, to see Evan Longoria third on this list uh really interesting and he's a certainly a guy who I think of as a line drive hitter yeah and the other thing uh here to keep in mind is the league average for a good piece of hitting is around 34 percent so these guys these these three guys are way above that we need to have our eye on Evan Longoria's potential resurgence in this league and I think we need to put it on the docket for Probably not this week. I know we've got quite a few things to cover, but maybe next week, a segment that we've thrown around for a while, and that's making the, making the Hall of Fame case for former Tampa Bay Ray, current San Francisco Giant, Evan Longoria. I would be very excited to do that. Yeah, we could do Evan Longoria. We could do a couple of guys I can think of that uh, are still playing. I'm not going to spoil it here on yeah. the air. We might want to hold that off, but... Yeah, we'll yeah. certainly be holding all of that off till next week, but exactly. we'll figure it on out. Next up, we got the a good piece of pitching percentage. Uh, those leaders are, again, not a lot of surprise until, again, you get to the third one, which is kind of funny. Um, here you've got Corbin Burns at 60.2%, then Jacob deGrom at 57.7%, and then coming in third, Brandon Dustin May, 55.4% of the time he is either striking the batter out or getting weak contact. Yeah. Dustin may a guy who never really had a lot of strikeouts. I mean, he pretty much pitched a full season last year, only ended up with 44 strikeouts in, in 56 innings this year in 23 innings, he's already at 35. So I'm not sure what changes he made over the offseason, but he went from becoming a pretty much a strictly ground ball pitcher to now he's still inducing the same amount of ground balls, but also striking out batters. I mean, his his strikeout rate is ridiculous. 19.6% to now at 
37.6%. Uh, that's just a crazy jump for him. And yeah, good, good piece of pitching percentage. Uh, I'm not surprised to see him up there when you, when you look at those few stats. No. And I think it, I honestly, I'm really excited to be able to play around with this stat in the future, just because I think, Oh, also, Oh yeah. Depending on where you put it in, of course, uh, Michael Kopech doesn't have that many um, batters faced so far. However, he's also very high on that list, but you look at the leaders in these statistics and it's going to blow you away how accurate it is with the exception of a few here. I mean, let's look at, I'm just looking at the top 30 right now to find who I don't feel belongs. And I guarantee you there'll be maybe three at most. I mean, Dustin May was certainly a surprise. Well, I would uh, say he's, he's, he's been a good enough this year to the point where like, it's not that bad. No. And again, it's like, it's just weird, weird names that you don't think of as being top level, but have really performed out of their minds. Um, former player for Brandon's fantasy team for about a day, Huascar Yanoa. Hey, still on my team. He had He's a nice on your team. I thought you dropped him. No, I, I was going to drop Andrew Heaney. Uh, and I am planning on making a move, but I don't want to say who it is because it's, it is a waiver claim. So, uh, well, I'm usually at the bottom of the waiver order, so you're, <laughs> you're probably not going to be missing. Well, I know we know. I I know we have a, quite a few people in our in our league who could be listening to this. But well, um, speaking of Andrew Heaney, Andrew Heaney does make it into the list. List forty nine point five percent. So I mean, he's certainly taking good approaches, just not getting results here. Being above average in this statistic, I may consider trading for him if you're going to drop him. All right. Yeah, we can talk after. <laughs> Um, but anyways, yeah, no, the thing I really like about this step for pitchers is the way it is able to take into account soft contact in a way that no other statistic really shows, like, except maybe, maybe opponent batting average, but that's not really the same true telltale sign because there's guys like, particularly, I think Ryan Yarborough is a guy in the AL East that I watch a lot that you look at him and he's like, you're like, yeah, this is a scary guy. This guy is a one on some teams. This guy is a two on a good majority of teams in this league just because of the way he's able to get guys out by being crafty, moving the ball around, and being able to induce that weak contact. So this gives him some form of advantage because he's not able to get those strikeouts all the time, but he's able to get a lot of guys to hit the ball softly. Yeah, so I just wanted to compare real quick to uh, StatCast expected weighted on base average, which is a pretty similar stat. You know, if you strike out a lot of guys and you don't walk hitters, uh, you expect to rank pretty highly. So in first is Michael Kopech. Uh, not surprising. He's been elite this year. Uh, second place is Corbin Burns. Third, Matt Barnes. Jacob DeGrom in fourth, uh, Garrett Cole fifth. Actually, three Yankees make the top 10. Garrett Cole, Luis Sessa, Jonathan Malizaga. But yeah, uh, I actually love these, these, these new stats. I think that it quantifies something that we haven't really seen other than a stat like a barrel percentage. But this kind of adds everything up that is in hard hit percentage, exit velocity, uh, three true outcomes. It kind of covers it all. So really cool stat. 
All right, well, next up, Brandon, we've got a interesting story that I'm kind of excited to tell because you don't seem to have heard it at all from a couple of days ago. So this guy is roommate. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. His, his roommate is on a date, his second date, and they decide to go to an Arizona Diamondbacks game. Okay. They're sitting, you know, a little bit above um, above home plate, kind of behind it. And so he decides to, to tweet at the Arizona Diamondbacks and say, hey, my friend's on his second date at your game right now. Would you mind zooming the camera out so I can see how it's going? This is well, what his roommate tweeted tweets, at the Diamondbacks? Tweets at the Diamondbacks. Well, don't the Diamondbacks respond? And <laughs> Rather than say they're going to put him on the camera on the TV, they decided to go and find to try and find him. And so there's a whole thread of them trying to find where he is. They eventually find him. And so all of a sudden they're going back and forth talking about how the date's going, analyzing it, breaking it down is one of the most amusing uh, Twitter threads I have seen in a while. And of course, it just starts just goes all sorts of places. Valley Sports Arizona hops in on the fun. They start talking about it. The Seattle Mariners join in. Um, he got the, the two of them got put on the jumbotron later on. Um, oh. Actually, yeah, no, they were. Oh wait, I, I gotta see if I can find this. That they poor were, girl. I know, right? But no, they were actually in one of the graphics for the Diamondbacks winning. <laughs> They put the picture of them on the jumbotron with the scores around it. it it's one of the funniest things. It's probably my favorite um, social media manager moment in baseball since the shut up, you killed Steve Irwin fight between the Rays and the Marlins. <laughs> but, but yeah, so Brandon, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, of course, also about three quarters of the way through it. The guys start uh, Arizona Diamondbacks tweets to the other guy. He's like, they're like, uh oh, they're checking, they're checking his phone. I think we might have been caught. And then within a few minutes, um, he's text text yelling at the roommate for doing this because he'd figured it out. Somebody had told him that he's his dates being broadcasted all over Twitter. It was absolutely amazing to look at. So, what are your thoughts? feel like only something like this could could happen at a baseball game because in a sport like like basketball there's just too much going on on the jumbotron at once for there to really be time to pull something like this but that's the beauty of this game is that you get stuff like this that happens like stuff like this not exactly this but just random things happen every single day in the MLB and we just don't know what it's going to be waking up every day I mean if that's not something to love about this sport, I don't know. But yeah, uh, I think MLB teams are actually doing a really good job this year. The actual teams on Twitter uh, are really interactive with their fan bases now. Uh, just seeing the the Diamondbacks, uh, you know, 
uh, kind of go along with this is awesome. And the, the Diamondbacks, they've done a, not only just them, but they do an awesome job just in, in a general with their Twitter. So uh, um, a little more information here. I did just pull up an article to get the exact, some of the exact tweets highlights. This guy must have, must either have like find my friend on, which I know a lot of people do for safety reasons or just to let their friends stalk them for fun. But <laughs> he literally sent a screenshot of the precise location of the guy's phone in the tweet to the Diamondbacks so they could find the guy. Uh, let's see. Body language looks good. They seem comfortable. They just laughed. Stay tuned for more from the Diamondbacks. <laughs> um, Valley Sports Arizona, we're invested now. Keep the updates coming. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, I saw it. Anarchy. Like, the other thing you mentioned, of course, there's not stuff on the Jumbostron, but we all know it. We all love the fact that baseball is a pretty slow game. It's a casual pace. You're able to, you know, that's part, that's part of the charm and the joy of it is the fact that you can kind of do something on the side. It's not something that's going to happen every like three seconds, something new is going to happen and you have to be completely stimulated by the game. If you're a social media manager who has to be there for every game, after games, before games, you're doing a lot of stuff for this team. I can certainly imagine it gets rather boring sometimes. And so there's no other game where you have, are able to have lulls of your attention in the middle of the game to stalk somebody's date. Like that's not going to happen in another sport. There's not going to be that time in between. There's not going to be that boredom on the part of the, um, on the part of the social media manager. And like even a sport like the the NFL, which like their plays happen at pretty much the same rate that a pitch happens in in baseball. There's just like too much going on still at the same time. Where where baseball, you could have five six pitches in a row and there's so that's a couple minutes there and there's just no action you know whatsoever like you can fully have a conversation with someone about something completely else and then make friends yeah and then still be entirely focused on the game at the same time like no know what's going on uh lj i'm just i'm excited for when uh you and i are going to be catching a yankees red sox game uh this uh, year, I believe in June. Uh, will that be our first time uh, going to a game together? Um, unless you count Spot Catholic. Yeah, unless you count where we our went to high school. school, like an MLB game. That's our first time going in an MLB game. That's also my first time at Yankee Stadium. Wow, a lot of fun. Or, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. First time at New, New Yankee Stadium. Still a lot of fun. I'll have to show you yes. around. Um, I, did, I did actually, I found the after the things scores after the uh, game scores. So Valley Sports puts in their thing that they've usually got preset. Final score, Rockies, Diamondbacks, does it matter, question mark? And then a picture of the two game-used balls that they gave the two, uh, that gave the happy couple. And the caption is, there's definitely going to be a third date, right? <laughs> and then they put the Diamondbacks, the caption on that one I talked about with the picture of the Jumbotron and this actual score. Uh, Love was the real winner tonight. What do you think is is a taking a girl out to a baseball game? You think like a nice place to have a date? If she doesn't want to go to a baseball game, I don't want her. Well, like it's it just fair. like such a great place. You know, you can have. Oh, it's some absolutely drinks, fantastic. Have some drinks. You know, have some food. 
more importantly, you can actually talk. I mean, there's a different, huge difference between the amount of talking you can do on a movie date and the amount of talking you can do on a baseball date. You can really get to know somebody over baseball. Heck, I can, I can get to know the people that are down the aisle from me in the middle of a baseball game. Yeah. And they're not trying for anything. Like, they, they have no expectations from me. I can't wait. Till they're not I trying have... to round third and head home. <laughs> I can't wait till we have full capacity stadiums. Not sure if you saw the announcement, LJ, but the New York City Mayor, Bill de Blasio, announced that starting on July 1st, all outdoor stadiums will be at 100% capacity. Wow. He's calling it the summer of New York City. Uh, so, I mean, look, 100% capacity, is it's going to seem so weird because it's look, just going to be like from, from, from June 30th to July 1st, there's just going to be a snap of a finger and everything's essentially back to normal. But I'll, I'll take it. Uh, that increases my chances of me hitting another Yankees game this year, so. But Brandon, that just, I mean, don't, I don't want to get political here. And I don't, I, oh. I'm, I am certainly not somebody, I have never panicked over this virus that um, affects so, so many, but like, uh, I've never panicked over it. I'm not really sure where I'm going with that first part. I haven't, I have not panicked over it. However, this seems a little bit suspect to me. You're going to have these, one of the most locked down areas of the country who has been suffering for all of these months that has very bare, very rarely have they been lifting the restrictions very slowly. Sometimes they've been putting it back. You're just going to open all of this entertainment set, sector up and expect there not to be like a huge spike. I mean, New York's going to panic if they do it. Like I will not be shocked when they panic after opening these, when numbers slightly rise and they close them down again. It's just it seems to be the way that they would go. So I'm not sure that I'm not sure that making such a rat, a big wide sweeping decision is the best way to go, but that's just me. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, this information changes anything for you, but so both the uh, city field and Yankee stadium, it's going to be the same criteria to, to, to uh, enter the stadium. You have to have either proof of a vaccine card or a negative test uh within 72 hours oh i oh i know and i'm sure but like you see where i'm saying here though oh, like, absolutely. I, I, I i fully support them opening up i want them to be open 100 percent. realistically the vast 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 majority of the united states could be open right now if People Some states wanted, have been open for weeks now. If people if people wanted them to. However, it's one of those things where, of course, those tests could easily not be perfectly accurate, but it's more the factor of like when you let a kid out for like recess and he has no clue where to go. So he goes everywhere in the playground. Like he's been these people have been, like so many people have been cooped up without much to do outside of their own homes for so long that you're now going to give that give a whole bunch of people an opportunity for fun is just it it could be prob problematic but i'm i'm all for it i should i after after being so pessimistic through that whole thing i am all for it i want to see it open i want to see things go well honestly pretty amazing con considering the amount of uh, you know of people and uh, people that i've known who have 
not only died from the virus, but just have had it. To be sort of back to normal for this summer is crazy. You know, just a little over a year and, you know, we all came together as a country and got it, got the work done that we needed to. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah, everyone's going to remember this, but at least for sports, I mean, for us sports fans, we've been dying to be able to get back to a game at 100% capacity. LJ, while I'm sure going to a game when it's not full capacity is nice because you don't really have an obstructed view. If you want to go out in the aisle way, it seems very easy. While that is nice, it's not the same as being in a full stadium. It has its benefits and its issues. Of course, I like the ability of the overall freedom of not feeling cramped in like sardines. However, I all right, yeah, I like that. I also like the fact that just about anyone in the stadium can start a stadium-wide chant. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, I, was, I was yelling from, or people were yelling from up in the grand, the uh, pavilion boxes at Fenway on the left field side. So the exact opposite side of where I was that first game in the right field uh, corner, right by the wall, I could hear them like they were in my section because it was able to carry across without any um, distracting noise. So anybody can put chants together. Also, anybody can put together jeers and actually have them heard by the players, team, and the other people in the stadium. So, so many people don't, so many people underestimate that and don't come with their strongest jeer game. And it just makes them look like absolute idiots if you don't have good ones prepared for those moments you can actually be heard. But overall, I think there is a place for having the full stadium just because you're going to get that consistent energy. As much as the energy can be really high and really exciting with, with fewer people, it's also very easy for it to get dead quiet in there where no one's really going crazy and it's harder to get like that. I feel like it would be a lot harder to get that momentum going for the players, not having the full stadium cheering, only having 25% of it. Yeah. You know, like, especially when it goes quiet in the stadium, it's all in a full stadium. Once you get a couple of sections getting into it, everyone sort of, hmm. it's, you know, it happens. I mean, but with a 25% capacity, yeah, you could have like one section going crazy, but you're still not going to have the whole momentum, you know, of the, yeah. of the crowd. But yeah. Also, um, the wave, while I do not really like it at Fenway, it just doesn't seem like it. Fenway doesn't seem like the place for the wave. It looks so bad without the full stadium yeah. here. It looks so bad. There, there's so many people just spread out in odd spots that it just doesn't look like the wave half the time. Yeah, tough. Well, I believe it is time for us to wave as well, Brandon. It is time for us to wave. Uh, wave thank you for listening to this episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Make sure you check out the Belly Up Sports Twitters. They are at Belly Up Sports and at Belly Up Podcast. Make sure you check out our podcast Twitter uh, at MLB Daily Pod, uh, and then LJ and I are both on Twitter, of course, at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafiora, and I'm at Brandon underscore Karam. That's gonna do it for this one. Uh, have a great Monday, everyone. Get a good start to your school week, your your work week, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, have a good one. See you manana. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.